fun. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. You heard it right there. Juan Soto with a moonshot of a home run last night in the 10-6 extra inning win for the Nationals in Philadelphia. Hello, everyone. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano, the Mass and All Access podcast. And, Paul, we had to hop on right away uh, the day after to talk about this huge win for the Nationals in Philadelphia, a comeback win. Um, great feeling for the ball club, I'm sure. Those guys are pumped. But also maybe even for this fan base kind of need um, a, sh- a sign of life, a sign of fight. Not that they haven't been fighting all season long, but you know this is one of those comeback wins that can really put a statement on a season and, and get this team jump-started as they continue going through their daunting schedule. Yeah, Bobby, that uh, that was the second homer of you know that big two-inning swing. Um, the first one was the Victor Robles homer. I just want to hear that call. Can we just go back and let's, that call? let's You know what? Let's bring Bob right back on and see what Bob's got for us. Robles to left, lifting one deep. See you later. I mean, you literally heard it. They were down to their last strike. It was 2-2. Two and two. They had slowly started to come back. They were down 6-1. They started to get to Aaron Nola. They come all the way back. Robles ties it with that. Soto wins it uh, in the 10th. Just incredible. Incredible What a baseball win. game. Yeah. It was um, so much fun to watch. That had us like, oh, baby. <laughs> it did. It did. Who's that? Is that Dan? That's, Is that uh, Dan? that's the great Dan Coco. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Yes, I love that. Well, that's going to make this podcast so much more fun for the rest of the season. That those, button right there. By the way, those were his first words as full-time Nats extra pregame. I mean, can you his blame the guy? Words. He's just too excited. Amazing. Also, if you know Dan, I'm sure all of you can tell his personality on TV and, and the, if you've ever met him in person, but that's that's just Dan in a nutshell. Like, yep. He's just kind of just that overexcited little like he's giddy yeah he's so giddy he's giddy all the time so yeah good for him but that's a great sound bite i'm really happy i'm gonna push it oh, that's just fun to push <laughs> um but back to the uh back to the last night's game 10-6 win for the nationals in yeah. philadelphia comeback win there's so much to go through right here paul um yeah it was a uh, it was a great win for so many reasons uh i think one you know the fact that they had lost already lost a bunch of games to the phillies and it was so early in the season that that's a division opponent um the fact that their bullpen had looked so bad and they looked great in that game. The fact that um, it was the young guys. It was the two right. you know, youngest outfielders, two youngest players really on this regular players on this team that got it done. So many encouraging signs. Right, and that's kind of what I alluded to too. Last night while working the game, I tweeted out at Bobby underscore Blanco, at Paul Mancano for Paul. Subtle. Um, you know, they. this is a huge comeback win, 10-6 mm-hmm. against a team that if they don't win – the the Phillies go eight and two and the Nats fall to uh, four and six. Yeah, um, and they get a great comeback win, riding two young guys, a twenty one year old and a twenty year old, yeah. and their bullpen, which had been their Achilles heel all exactly. season long up until this point. So, I mean, just an incredible team effort. Not also can't gloss over the fact that 
Um, you know, Anthony Rendon had another shocker big game at the plate. Jan Gomes hit his first home run as a national. Ken, Howie Kendrick hit yep. a um, – I almost called him Kendrick Lamar. Howie Kendrick <laughs> hit a home run in the same inning um, to spark this offense. Yeah. Um, so complete team effort. I thought Davey Martinez pushed all the right buttons. Um, it, it's weird that, you know, the one downfall, maybe you look at this, was that Steven Strasburg had a rough yeah. outing. Yeah, that was probably the But only the guys picked him up. Yeah. And that's what you have to do in a 162-game season when one guy falters. You know, you, you can't expect, especially Strasburg with his injury history and his history in general, mm. you know, he's not going to give you 30 quality starts every time he's out there. He's going right. to falter, especially early on in the season, too. So it's good to see the guys, especially the bullpen arms, come and pick him up. And that's exactly what we didn't see last year. That's right. exactly what, you know, one guy would have a bad game and it would ruin the entire game I mean that that you know they weren't a team last year that could overcome bad games from their starters that could overcome slumps from their hitters yeah Um, not everything was on the same page we said it a million times last year and um, you know that's it's okay for stuff to not be on the same page but you still have to win games when one or two things goes wrong right Um, yeah last night was was incredibly encouraging uh the the bullpen particularly because we've ragged on the bullpen a lot deservedly so mm-hmm. last everyone baseball, has. yeah within uh they're over eight in terms of era uh as a team uh, bullpen and um you know sean doolittle obviously is sean doolittle he was great last night um and ended up getting the win he's three and oh by the way Shock. um but the guys before that um, really set him up. Uh, you know, when the team was trying to claw out of that six to one hole, you can't be giving up any r- more runs at that point. Yeah. And Mac Race came in. He looked awesome. Um, he pitched two innings, uh, had just one strikeout, but it looked like his stuff was really fooling the Phillies hitters. It looked like the, you know, once, once the Nats tied it, I thought the Nats are going to win this game because the momentum was on their side and the Phillies couldn't get anything correct offensively. Yeah. They, they looked look lost. lost. <laughs> yeah. Jinx. Um, you owe me a Dan. Oh, baby. <laughs> Just going to use the, that. That button is going to be literally worn out. By yeah, it's blue. It's going to be like a dark purple by yeah. the end of the season. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, and Joe Ross, it was encouraging to see from him. No, no runs allowed, two strikeouts in two innings. You know, obviously good for him to get back on track. Maybe eventually he can, you know, be that long reliever for the Nats. So a lot of encouraging signs, particularly from the bullpen. Yeah, Joe Ross bouncing back from a rough first outing on Sunday. Yep. Um, and then Matt Grace, I, I'm getting to the point, if not have already been to the point where I'm getting a little nervous every time Matt Grace goes out. Not because I'm scared of what he's going to do, but it's because that's another day he's pitching. It seems like he's pitching a lot early on in the season. Like the Sammy Solis role last right, year. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's because what I was going to say. And, and it's kind of nerve-wracking it's like all right when at what point are we going to see this guy start to deteriorate and 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 fall kind of back under to where he's used to performing yeah Uh, but like you said great two innings a clean two innings only gave up a hit over those over those six outs so that that was encouraging to see um and and i want to go back to davy i thought davy did everything right um in terms of the management you know you get into a spot uh, strasburg only going Going up, going the four, you get to a spot where his spot is coming up in the order in the fifth. Yeah, Davy decides to pitch hit for him um, and, and turn over to the bullpen and, and give credit to Davy Martinez. I think this is kind of, you know, think back to spring training and people ask Davy, "What did you want to? What do you? What have you learned from last season? And what are you trying to do differently this season?" And one of the main things we heard him say a lot was, "I want to try to be consistent in the lineup we run out yeah. and how we do our lineups." Because I felt like I moved guys around too much. Last year, and they got out of their comfort zone. Um, I want to try to get guys hitting and playing the same positions day in and day out so they can kind of get into more of a groove. 
I think that kind of applies to his overall approach now this year too as well, not just how he's running out the lineups and that he is putting guys in position. He's trusting guys to stay in their positions and keep them running them out day in and day out. Now, Matt Grace, he's trusting them to run out there. We can talk about how if he's running them too much or too little, but right now Matt Grace is one of the guys he can trust coming out of that bullpen as long as he's healthy and and getting his regular rest. Um, But, you know, he... He saw Strauss struggling, giving up the six runs and in four innings, decided, all right, I'm trusting these guys. Yeah. He, you know, every Nats fan in on all of the Twitter sphere probably disagreed and said, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. But Davey trusted his guys in that bullpen to get the job done. You know, whatever the numbers have said, whatever they've done in the past two weeks, I don't care. I, I these, are the, these are my guys. I trust them. I'm going to throw him out there, and I'm going to trust this lineup to get the job done and call us back into the game. That's what happened. Yeah, and I think the only guy that'll be interesting to see exactly how much Davey trusts, or if he trusts him at all, is Trevor Rosenthal, because he talked about throwing him in really low-leverage situations. That was a 6-1 game. Right. You know, it looked like the Nats might be out of it, and granted they won, but that's, in theory, like a low-leverage situation that he could have thrown him in. You know, it was being tossed around. People were saying, you know, while sitting here watching the game and, you know, monitoring Twitter, People are saying, hey, this is kind of a, a low-lever situation. Maybe we'll right. see Rosenthal get another shot here just because, you know, especially... Just to pick up his confidence. Especially, right, and especially in that, that might be even lower of a level. You know, yeah. you throw him into a game like on, what was the, the where they blew the 12-1 the lead. Against the Mets, yeah. yeah. you're you're still protecting the lead. I mean, and when you're already losing, yeah, you're not trying to give up more runs, but, you know, you're you're already losing, so it's yeah, not like you're yeah. protecting anything. You're just kind of like, all right, you're yeah, just go point. pitch. Yeah, there's slightly more pressure on team that's, yeah. uh, you know... Um, but yeah, um, that will be interesting to see. But I, I get your point uh, in terms of like trust, trust in his players. I think this also game, this game last night was also a sign that Nats fans, we've been, you know, that people have complained a lot about the bullpen, about Davey Martinez, about um, a lot of things, about you know maybe Steven Strasburg or starting pitching not being the aces that they're quite expected to be. I think this is another sign that it, this is a lot of the problems that the Nats have had are league-wide problems and problems that have affected other teams. You know, a lot of times we have a sense to look in a bubble um, and say the Nats' bullpen is bad, but the, the bullpens around baseball, for whatever reason, have gotten to a, off to a terrible start. Yeah. They already have an ERA over 4.53, which last year, that's a half-a-run ERA from all of last year, smaller sample size, but the bullpens around the league are struggling. It's not just the Nats' bullpen. And if you look at the NL East in particular, the Phillies are 18th in bullpen ERA. And then 23rd, 24, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th are the Braves, the Marlins, and the Mets are all right there. So, the, you know, the NL East so everyone's in, in the lower half is, is really struggling. And granted, the Nats are 30th, but everybody in the NL East is lower half at least. And they're all, you know, there's a bunch of them right in the mid-20s. So this is a, an issue that is plaguing other teams. And last night, it was nice to be on the other side of that and to say, hey, yeah, other teams also have bullpen issues. Right. It felt like, if you, you know, watching that game, it, it felt like watching from a Phillies perspective, like you were reliving a Nats thing. Because you're, you're just waiting for, it looked like every situation the Phillies got in, the bullpen got in. Yeah. It was nail-biting, it was tense, and Nats hitters had them on the ropes. Um, it just felt like they were going to come back or they were going to score if they just had enough time. And that's the, the unnerving feeling that Nats fans have had watching this team. So it goes to show Phillies, the Phillies, the Mets, the Braves, 
A lot of other teams in baseball and teams in this division have similar problems. Right. What the Mets fan, or sorry, excuse me, what the Phillies fans went through last night, Nats fans have gone through twice over. Yeah. You know, and especially in the in the first couple of weeks here, um, and and I wonder how much that has to do with the scheduling. Whereas, and right. it's also funny because like we talked about all the time how pitching is always ahead of hitting out of the gate to start the regular season. Um, starting pitching maybe has been fine, but bullpen has been struggling. But I wonder how much that is. The scheduling, these guys are beating up on each other. The Nats have only faced the Phillies and the Mets this season, yeah. it feels like. So it's like, all right, you're starting to see these guys over and over again. You're getting used to what they want to do. Juan Soto alluded to it last night. He's like, I know what they're trying to do. He's like, I, I was waiting for it. I was sitting on my pitch with that home run. I, I knew what they were going to try to do. And as soon as they let one slip, yeah. left the slider. And that's exactly what happened. A slider that was up and inside. I'm going to make them pay. And what do you know? He shot one over the foul pole for a three-run bomb. That was a monster shot. Just a moonshot. I yeah. mean, I mean, credit to the at nationals on Twitter. They were like, you know, they CC'd StatCast yeah. and then cross it out and then CC'd NASA. Yeah. It's like, uh, did this one land on the moon? So that was just a monster shot. Um, but, yeah, I, I wonder how much is the scheduling is affecting these, these bullpen arms because they're facing the same hitters over and over again from the get-go. And now they're kind of catching on. Yeah, you know, I will. I'll be interesting. To see, it would be interesting to go back and see, like the first week, maybe the bullpen numbers are a little better. Now we're into the second week, especially with this the second series against mm-hmm. the Phillies for the Nationals, and then they face the Mets twice already. Yeah, seeing these arms, familiar arms, over and over again, and maybe getting used to what they're trying to do to them. And the other issue that obviously Nats fans have complained about is Davey Martinez and his decision making, particularly with the pitching staff. I thought Gabe Kapler made some boneheaded decisions last night as well I thought he kept Aaron Nola in the game too long and Nola ended up getting hit around that's what helped the Nats climb back to within one is he was giving up home runs left and right in like the seventh inning and that helped the the Nats come back so they're you know which is interesting because the Nats hit him around just last week yeah exactly on on last Wednesday exactly a week ago exactly so that was yeah that was interesting that he, he stuck with him that long knowing that Hey, they guys just saw Nola. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it is, we are seeing this kind of problem. It's not just the Nats. It's right. Real, you know, it's so easy as a fan to like just scope in yeah, on your and team and be it. like, oh my God, we have so many problems. But well, lo and behold, every team right. has problems. Yeah. I mean. So, and with, but anyway, with this game that, that puts the, the Nats at an even 500, um, Mark Zuckerman wrote about on massasports.com today about how it, this has been a, a, treacherous path through the first two weeks of the season, first 10 games. Um, you you know, obviously the Phillies have been terrific to start the season. The Mets um, are improved, and they're ahead of the, the Nats right now in the standings. At this point, Bobby, do you see it getting better? Do you see them getting over 500, or are they going to hang around here at 500 for the foreseeable future? Well, two things. One, looking at their 5-5 five and five record, you know, Everything we just talked about and how this bullpen is—they're I mean, lucky to be five and five. I mean, yeah. it's actually impressive that they're five and five right now, considering how bad their bullpen is. That they've been hold, been able to hold on to these wins, and it also goes to show how much their offense is hitting. They're able to score runs. Um, you know, it does feel like every night until this bullpen either gets fixed or gets right. Yeah, the Nats' offense and starting pitching is gonna have the Nats' offense one is gonna have to just outscore the opponent, and the starting pitching is gonna have to get deeper into games. And keep the team off, other team off the board. Um, but to your point, uh, yeah, I, I think this is obviously a huge win. And, and being five and five, considering who they just went through, again the Phillies and Mets twice each, yeah. uh, it, it's it could be worse. I guess I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that you know 
five and five is not a terrible spot to be in right now. And um, but what what it, what it, what I think it is, Paul is just all right. What are you gonna do next? Tonight it's a huge game. You know, to win the series in Philly, get above five hundred. Right. You know, last night was all well and good. That's over now. Can you carry that momentum into tonight and, and focus and go go after um, the Philly? And with even with Jeremy Hellickson on the mound, you know, not one of your aces. Yeah. Can your offense continue to swing the bat, outscore the opponent, and get that W to get above 500? And, you know, I, I was looking at the calendar. The Nats had a very similar win around this time last year. And, Paul, we talked about it. How this, that kind of wind? Really, was, I don't even remember. You don't remember? <laughs> I don't. It was April. It's 162. Okay. I know. It was April 16th of 2018. Okay. And the Nats. Very. It's actually eerie how similar. Uh, di- on the road to a, against a division opponent, uh-huh. the Nats were also in that game down six to one, and then they came back to win eight to six. And Paul, we on this podcast we're talking about that's the kind of win that sparks a team. To maybe get the season going, get the ball rolling. Yeah. Do you vaguely remember this I game? I think I do. I'm looking at the box score. I right think now. I might have been at City Field for this game. Were you? I think I might have. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that might have been because it was it was yeah mid April, so that might have been when uh, Mass and Alexis went to City Field. Yes. Yes. Um. It, and and the Nats ended up winning this series, and that was a big series win. Yeah. Um. For the team. I do remember this game. Yeah. And so that got them to eight and nine, and they mm. started crawling back up towards five hundred and, and playing better. Last night's win gets them to 500. Now, can you? I don't mean to say get over the hump. I don't know. People people are a little touchy about that word <laughs> due to camels and yeah. such. But can you get over the hump and get above 500 and, and use this win right. as a? They sort of did it last year, but then you really need to ride this win and try to steal this series. It, it's because it's a steal, yeah. and that should have lost last night. Yeah, the yeah. Phillies had them dead to rights. You stole one last night. Now, can you steal the series? Before coming home. Right. And I think that's a concerning sign is that that win was a steal. The other win um, where they came back uh, against the Phillies and Reese Hoskins had an error um, that was at Nationals Park that Trey Turner ended up walking off. Yep. Um, That one you might consider was a steal. So it's just a matter of small sample size. We haven't gotten a good enough look at this team to see exactly what kind of team they're going to be. But I will say, uh, I think last night, as evidence showed that the Phillies are not invincible. We right. know that the Mets are not invincible. The Braves, I don't think, are invincible. So there, there is a there is a real opportunity, I think, in this division. And you know, you, the Braves are still a young team. The Phillies are still trying to get everything together, and the Mets are the Mets and are going to Mets. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that that you know, for all the hype that surrounded Bryce Harper and in, in Philly in the first. Uh, you know, a couple weeks of the season. And granted, he hit a home run last night that was a bomb that was to the opposite way. But, you know, these teams have shown signs of, of you know, they're in, of being able to be beaten. Yeah. These teams can be beaten. So um, I think that is an, an encouraging sign because if you have a team that's going to be a juggernaut, it's going to run away with the division, you know, then that, that makes your, you know, then you're stuck trying to get a wild card. But I think that the Nats still... They just have to. They have to win these divisional games. Yeah, I know it's just April, but these these divisional games are going to add up by the time the season ends. We saw last year. Yeah, we were like, oh, it's early, it's April. Um, but you know, you playing three competitors nineteen times each, you have to win those head to head matchups. Yeah, and, and especially when you start off the season, f- your first four series are against two of those guys. Yeah, 
you have to you have to be able to get these W's. These W's are going to matter because, like we said last year too, same applies with the way that they've started this year. You don't want to be playing from behind in August and September. You don't want to be playing catch up, yeah. like where those are must win games. Like you, exactly. you have to win two out of three, or even three yeah. out of three, three out of four. So and the Nats couldn't do it last year, right? Once they hit July and, and the, August, they just couldn't do it. You almost feel like because they caught up around the All Star break, if not right after the All Star break, and mm-hmm. took over first place for like a couple of days. You almost feel like did they wear themselves out trying to catch up, right? And then didn't have enough steam to finish out the season. You want to position yourself early on in the season to be able to kind of lay the hammer down later in the season and, and take your take your spot at, at in the number one place, yeah, atop of the division. Exactly. So. Looking, switching from the bullpen and Davey Martinez over to the hitting side. Some encouraging signs last night, I will say. Um, I think the two catchers have given you just about everything that you could have wanted at this point. Yeah. Um, that has already been a huge upgrade, um, and I think that's that's something that, obviously, we talked a lot about in the offseason, but the fact that you now have two guys there that can hit 250 or above and you are hitting bombs. I mean, Jan Gomes hit a, um, a bomb last night. That's going to be a huge boost. Uh, Victor Robles, for all the, of the the um, you know the criticism he got for his base running in the first couple of weeks of the season and his mental errors, the dude still has pop. The dude still has a ton of potential and still has the ability to um, hit the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, this is why people have predicted him to win NL Rookie of the Year this yeah. year. I mean, he's just got. I I called it last night the 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 clutch gene. Yeah, I mean, he's just. Not afraid. Yeah. And he, and we've seen him. He's not afraid to make mistakes. He's made a couple of them, but he's not afraid to go and take a risk. Now, maybe he needs to pump his brakes while on base. Yeah. But in the outfield, at the plate, he's full go, and, he, and he's ready to play. Yeah. And then Anthony Rendon. I brought up Good before Lord. the season to somebody that he was going to be – they asked me to pick an MVP, and I said, I don't know, it might be Rendon. They kind of scoffed at me and said, Rendon? And it's like, yes. He he is always near the top in terms of war. And ter- it just his all-around production could not ask for a better start to the season for Anthony Rendon, a guy who traditionally does not start out very hot. Yeah, He's hitting 421. Ooh. He's already got four homers. He's got an OPS of 1.384, just mind-boggling. Uh, and, of course, still playing solid defense at third. He is playing right now. Obviously, we're only 10 games into the season, but he's he's – Hitting like the best hitter, you know, he's playing like the best hitter on the Nationals lineup. He is the best hitter on the Nationals lineup right now. I mean, we can talk about Soto and Robles all day and how young and exciting they are, but Rendon is the heart of this lineup. And and you know, it's a real shame that we're not we don't have Trey Turner in, in this lineup either yeah. right now because watching those two hit at the top of this lineup would be so much fun to watch. Exactly. But yeah, Rendon. I don't want to say he's carrying the team because other guys are producing as well, but he is the heart of the lineup right yeah. now. He's the guy. Um, that it is, is a surefire thing. I mean, he's just – you can trust him to get a solid at-bat in every time he's up there and play solid defense. Yeah. Um, back to the catchers, though, I wanted to oh, yeah. touch on that. I mean, Kurt Suzuki, he didn't get a hit last night, but he had a great at-bat as a pinch hitter last night. I thought David Martinez was real smart pinch hitting Kurt Suzuki when he did. Um, like I said earlier, I think Davey pressed all the right buttons in, the, in this win. Um and he's got a real great platoon going between Gomes and Suzuki. Yeah. Where I feel like the pitchers love throwing to him. They know what they're talking. They know what they're doing. They know what they're trying to do. They come up with great game plans. And at the plate, you know, Gomes is hitting almost 300. Yeah. Um, in, in limited action, only seven games. But still, uh, I, I like the way that they're producing. And, and 
you know, it, it's way better than what they've had the past couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's already showing, you know, is pointing in the right direction there. Um, one guy who is struggling, Brian Dozier, um, for whatever reason, he's been hitting a ton of ground balls. He was not put in this lineup to hit for average. He was put in for the, the pop. Um, but it just seems like he's he's had to move around in the lineup a couple times because of Trey Turner. Um, but for whatever reason, right now he's hitting 121, and he's played you know in nine games so far, so it's not like a, a small sample size. He only has one homer, and it was a solo homer, one RBI, and 10 strikeouts. Uh, how concerned are you, Bobby, about Brian Dirk? Well, it's concerning to start, but now that with Turner out and we, the timeline is now – six to eight weeks we're hearing mm. from whenever that injury occurred, you know, and if, if he's going to continue to hit second, he's going to see more pitches. So that's, you know, yeah. it's kind of like one of those things where like, you know, in basketball, your shot's not going, get back in the gym and keep shooting right. until it'll hit, it'll hit eventually. You're, you can't find your swing. We'll keep swinging, you know, right. go up there, see more pitches, especially with Adam Eaton hitting ahead of him. Yeah. Um, if he can continue to get on base, Eaton's on base is, I'm assuming ridiculous. Eh, not that ridiculous. 327. Still good enough. Yeah. Um, with added meaning, I mean, he's at the top of the lineup. You're going to see more pitches than if he was batting sixth or seventh. So Exactly. Uh, I, I, I'm i not, you know, code red, Yeah. all hands on deck worried yet um, because I think this is a good opportunity. You know, it's kind of like good luck, bad luck. Bad luck that Trey Turner got hurt, but good luck where right. maybe this can help Ryan Dozier get his season started. Yeah, exactly. And that's I think that's the thinking of Davey Martinez, putting him in that second spot. And people are like, ah, he's not hitting well. Why are you putting him in the second spot? Because he's going to be up in the lineup a lot. It's because if you have Anthony Rendon behind him, he's and, and then Juan right, Soto behind him, too, yeah. nobody in the league right now wants to pitch to Anthony Rendon and probably not Juan Soto. So, you know, that the fact he is going to see more pitches and that's the idea is David Martinez wants to get him back on track. Um, and the way to get them back on track is to throw them more strikes so that he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah. Um, but I think it is more concerning because you look at how down of a year he had last year. Um, he really struggled and you know when he got traded, especially to the Dodgers, for whatever reason. He had always typically hit pretty well in, in terms of his average. But last year, um, you know, he had that injury that he didn't really talk about. Um, and then between the the uh, Dodgers and the Twins, he ended up hitting 215. So, you know, very that was concerning. So when you compile that with his early returns, um, that that is what makes it, I think, a little bit more concerning. Yeah. Uh, and he's riding a two-game, it's not really a long history, but a two-game history. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I'm just saying, you know, yeah. I mean, the signs of things to come, I mean, he... Since he's been batting second, his raise his batting average. Yeah, true. Ever so slightly. It's not astronomical size, but it's going up nonetheless. So hopefully, just game at routine, seeing more pitches, getting more at bats. You know, typically at the top of the lineup, you get more at bats. It'll come. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in terms of the bullpen, we touched about. Let's move over to the starting pitching. Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. Patrick Corbin has been fine. Steven Strasburg, are you concerned about his his velocity isn't quite, from what I've seen, isn't quite what it has been in recent past? He got up there last night. He was he was touching ninety four ninety five last right. night, which was a good good yeah. sign. He which it was his outing was so weird, which I guess is just like a baseball thing. But he had, what, threw a five pitch first inning, touching ninety five, yeah. and I was like, okay, 
this is this is this is great, Strauss. We're gonna have a good night tonight. Yeah. And then it just kind of all blew up and gave up six runs over the next three innings. Um, concerning, no, I, I'm more concerned is has the bullpen problem expanded to did the Nationals have a pitching problem? Because like I said, kudos to the bullpen mm-hmm. for getting all those scoreless innings last night and allowing the offense to come back and take the W. But early on, first couple of weeks, we needed great starting pitching or even got great starting mm-hmm. pitching for a Nationals fan. And the bullpen kind of came in and, and blew right. it up. Now, the bullpen's best outing comes on a day where your yeah. sh- your second ace ha- only goes four and gives up six. Right? Is this, you know, I mean, it's just I obviously you're not going to have the ideal starter go six or seven bullpen close it out offense outscores the opponent every right. day. Yeah, it's just too long of a season. And baseball's too hard. But that's what we saw from the Nationals in 2016, 2017. Yeah. Go back to 14, 12. All those division winning seasons we saw. The whole pitching, except for maybe, what, what was that, early 2017 when the bullpen was kind of in flux mm-hmm. with Dusty Baker and they went and traded and they got Madsen, Kinsler, Doolittle. Doolittle all at the deadline. Um, and, and, and then from there on, it was, okay, sh- starters are dominant, bullpen's locked down. Yeah. That's how you win games. I'm just more concerned, is this now a pitching problem? It's one outing right. from Strauss, I get that. Um, and he was great in his previous start. But is this going to be like... You know how much are each of them going to tax each other? You yeah. know, or the, or is this is the starting pitching going to suffer from having to carry the bullpen for so long? And right. then now are we going to flip and see the reverse? So I don't, I'm more concerned about that than the individual performances from from Sh- Sh- uh, Strasburg. Yeah. And it's kind of a chicken and or egg right thing in terms of you know if if Davy and, and it comes down to Davy Martinez and how he ends up using these guys. You know if he if he overworks his re- uh, starters a little bit too much. Um, because the bullpen is struggling, then you know the the starters are in in turn probably going to struggle because of it, and vice versa. So I think that is going to come down to um, to usage in particular. Um, and but what doesn't concern me too much is that we've seen you know obviously we're seeing Mike Rizzo isn't the best at building a bullpen to start a season, but what he has shown is that he can trade for a bullpen, as you yeah. mentioned those three tr- those two trades or three trades that he made two years ago to get the law firm of Kinsler, Madsen, Doolittle. And ultimately they didn't work out last year, but they were stellar, stellar down the stretch yeah. in 2018 and last or 2017, year, right? And last year went and got Greg Holland and Kelvin Herrera yeah. early on the season. And Herrera would have been a better pickup if he didn't get injured. Right. But Greg Holland was awesome for them down the stretch. Yep. It just didn't come at times where they were in playoff contention. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I would trust Mike Rizzo to be able to build back up the bullpen when they need to, and to do it as soon as possible. I mean, he made that trade for Herrera in, like, May last year. Um, you know, way before the Royals needed to deal Kelvin Herrera, they got him. So um, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. It's just a matter of can they get solid enough production to the point where, you know, if, if they are well below 500 at a certain point, are they going to be trading for guys? You know, if yeah. if if will they want to make that push? Yeah. Um, it, but if they're right around 500, I, I would trust Mike Rizzo to go out and be aggressive and, and get 
guys that are going to be they're going to be able to slot in there. Yeah, and that's kind of the idea right now is just stay afloat. Don't. Yeah. We Paul, we've said before, you know, you can't play yourself into the postseason in April, but you can play yourself out of the postseason yeah. in April by losing games and falling behind. Keep yourself afloat. Give Mike Rizzo time to make you know make not only a move but the right move right. in terms of get and getting help. And help is also possibly on the way. They have Bud Norris at. West Palm Beach trying out. I mean, he's kind of funny. He's the guy that replaced Trevor Trevor Rosenthal yeah. in St. Louis last year. Um, so they have him working out. They have their doctors checking him out, their coaches seeing how he looks on the mound. If that comes to fruition, you know, help is possibly on the way, maybe sooner rather than later. Um, but, yeah, I, I would trust Mike Rizzo to, you know, well, also hopefully the, the Nationals team can stay afloat and, and hover around 500, if not better, and give Mike Rizzo some time so we're not seeing a desperation move by the front office and yeah. to get someone, and then you're maybe giving up too much for a guy to help give you help in what turns out to be not like kind yeah. of like last year, not worthy of a season, something yeah. like that. exactly. Um, I have another question for you too, Paul, about the pitching. This is about the starting rotation. I wonder if this – I don't know the answer. Um, I was thinking about this last night. Yeah. I like are these you don't know the answer. Are these off, are these off days messing with the rotation? Interesting. Well, because they well you get the Friday off day mm-hmm. after opening day. They were off last Monday, April 1st. They were off last Friday because of Mets opening day. They're off Thursday the 11th. They're off Monday the 15th and they're off Thursday the 25th. They have an off day every week to start the season. Yeah, it's weird. And I'm thinking about the rotation this year. I mean, they've got Ideally, you know, you have your one, two, three, four, five guys, and then you flip it over one, two, three, four, five as you go on through yep. the season, correct? And in the Nationals' case, that would be Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Sanchez, Hellickson. Yep. Right now, starting from this past Sunday or the seventh, they have Scherzer, Sanchez, Strasburg, Hellickson, Corbin. Right. So you're going one, four, two, five, three. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. It is weird. And and Corbin's going to be pitching on one, two, three, four, five, six days rest. Yeah. And I get it. There's nothing they can do about the schedule. But you think Dave Martinez would rather get back or try to get back to the regular one, two, three, four, five? And does that help the bullpen in, at all? Yeah. Or is this, you know, back and forth between your quote-unquote top three aces and your quote-unquote four or five guys? Yeah. Is that kind of throwing things in flux or is it? Is there any advantage to that? I don't know. I was thinking about it last night. I couldn't think of a, an answer. I think it's tempting for Davey Martinez to do what he did in the first few games of the season, which was roll with Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. And because they had an off day Friday and they had an off day Sunday or Monday, Monday yeah. they went with Scherzer again on Tuesday. That's extremely tempting. He technically is, you know, doing it on five days rest. Um, also facing the Phillies. Also facing the Phillies. And he came out and pitched well. Um, that can be tempting because of all these off days because you have freaking Max Scherzer. Right, right. You have Streven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. Um, that can be tempting to, to skip guys in the rotation because of that. But then you have the other side. He talks all, all He's talked through the first couple weeks of the season a lot about maintaining the order, the batting order, trying to keep that as similar as possible. Would the same then apply for his starting rotation? Yeah. Would he still want to go one through five all the time Here's the thing. I, I think any time – so so Mike Rizzo went out and got Patrick Corbin and got Annie Ball Sanchez in order for this team to have even more pitching depth than they had last year, right? 
So use those guys. At this point, you should be able to trust those guys whenever. So the first week of the season, yeah, you you give Max Scherzer an extra start. I get that. But you can't do that all the time because you want to – yeah, you you would be still – you're not taking away any days of rest for Scherzer, but – you want to give him an extra day of rest. Like, why not? You well, know? right. And that's kind of, that's just to play devil's advocate. Right. Or maybe going along with what you're trying to say here is Max Scherzer's 33. Exactly. And you're playing for the postseason. Right. If you have these off days now, utilize them. Yeah. Give him that extra day's rest in April because he's, you're sure as hell not going to give it to him in August, September. Right. Because he's going to need to pitch every five days because those games are going to really exactly. matter. Exactly. But that's the other thing is we talk, you know, we're talking, I feel like we're talking out of two sides of our mouth. Right. Yeah. Saying yeah. we need to, I, they yeah. need to win. That's kind of what I was think, uh, teetering right. back and forth last night. When I was thinking about this. Well, but then, yeah, but also. Yeah. Yeah. It is tempting, I think. But the fact that this team is built so much around their rotation and around these five guys, I think you got to use them. I think yeah. you got to, there, there's a reason they signed any ball Sanchez. There's a reason they signed Jeremy Hellickson. And if you can't trust them, then you know, to start just a regular game against a division opponent, um, then that's a problem in and of itself. So I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan personally of using starters as long relievers. I just don't, I, I don't know what that does to them mentally. I just am not crazy about the idea. I think Joe Ross in that role is fine because he hasn't been a starter for long enough at the big league level. But once you start getting into making Jeremy Hellickson, having him pitch out of the bullpen, once you start having, um, you know, if, if you wanted to give any ball Sanchez a, a day off and try to have try him out in the bullpen, I, I'm just not crazy about that. Yeah, I don't know if they would do that. I, I'm just right. trying to think of. Well, uh, they did that with Hellickson against the Phillies. Yeah, and yeah. Harper blasted off. Right, on right, right. It, yeah, that goes into with the all with all these off days, and this probably fixes itself past April because you're going to get less off. I mean, again, they've had a, they're going to have an off day every week to start the season through yeah. April, which is strange. Yeah. So that that probably shouldn't happen. Um, you know, conversely, just because we're covering the Orioles as well, the Orioles have one off day this month yeah. or two. So they, they're playing full weeks, uh, which helps, you know, they could, that could help them set the rotation. My, my, I guess another question is, like, with the way it's going, like like I said, you're going one, four, two, five, three. Mm-hmm. Does that have any positives or negatives to your bullpen? Because you could, all right, Ideally, you'd be able to rest a couple of guys on a Scherzer start. You're going to need them right. possibly for a Sanchez start. Then you can rest them for a Strasburg start and then need them again for a Hellickson start. And then you can rest them for a Corbin and then flip it back over to Max start. I mean, is that a, a is that anything? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that a strategy? Or, or, you, or should they just stick to the, you got one, two, three. Yeah. You shouldn't need your bullpen. And then four or five days, four and five. All right, you might need them a little bit more than usual, and then flip it back over. I feel like we're Charlie Day, and it's always sunny with the <laughs> yeah. map. That's how him. I felt last. I was like, think sitting here, thinking, I was like, this is biz- this is yeah. a bizarre and way I'm to go. Carol, yeah. Carol, <laughs> there is no Carol. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That, that I, might I, be I don't think David Martinez. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think they planned it out this way. I think this is just right. how it happened. I'll bet there are number crunching guys behind the scenes. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to assume they weren't planning on going one, four, two, five, three. Right. It's just the way the schedule happened and yeah. how it, it worked out. I would assume that once we get back more into a groove and they, like, between April 16th and 24th, there's no off day. So that's mm-hmm. a Tuesday through a Wednesday. So I would probably I would assume we would see more of a normal rotation at that period because yeah 
less less days off spreading them out. Yeah, and I'm um this is the you know easiest way out in every baseball discussion, but I'm a believer in everything evens out by the end. Yeah, of the yeah, yeah. You know, like by the time you hit game one sixty two, the guys tend to have the same number of starts, and they t- you know they, it just will even out in and of itself. Um, but yeah, I think that might be going a little bit too deep into it. Yeah. Um. So. But yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. There are a lot of ripple effects to any one decision that Davey Martinez right. makes. Yeah, and April 26th through May 12th, there are no off days. So right. that's a two week stretch right there where things can, like you said, kind of even out and play play more into their hands. Yeah, All interesting right. thought I just had. I don't know. Cool, Bobby. What's your Twitter handle? At Bobby underscore Blanco. Paul, what is yours? At Paul Mancano. Olivia Witherite. What's yours? She just walked into the room. She's our social media manager. She waves. She uh, says hi to all the DC Nats fans. It's just at Olivia Witherite. It, it's your two. We each have just your full names. Yeah. Just your full names. Literally your full names. Easiest. And then Easiest mine has an underscore in them between because yeah. apparently there's another Bobby Blanco out there. And Olivia has the most followers of any of us. So yeah, by far. By far. By so far. Uh, she doesn't need followers. So never mind. Don't follow her. Yeah. Bobby and Paul. Look yeah. us up. <laughs> and. And I guess Mass and Nationals, too. My favorite part of this is that she doesn't have a mic, but we do. So yeah. we have all of the power yeah. in this conversation. What was that? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Mass and Alexis podcast, everyone. <laughs>